Cubiños en el arco, la defensa es colosal González, Orlando, La Torre, Nicolás, Fuentes y Chumpitas Chalemifrin y Cubillas y el gran Pericoleón Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan Welcome back to the Peruvian Waltz Podcast. My name is Christopher Viscardo, and uh, I am obviously not Peter Galindo, who is our usual host. I have been given the task of uh, hosting the podcast this week. Very, very happy to be back. Been uh, kind of a while since I last hosted. I think it was the last Copa America, actually, uh, that uh, Kevin allowed me to wax all poetic back then about, uh, you know, how well the team was doing. And, you know, I'm happy to be back today. We got a very special podcast for everyone. Uh, we actually have a very special guest. We're going to go ahead and introduce our panelists. Uh, we have our regulars, of course. But first of all, I'd like to start with someone that is a soccer expert, but he's also, you know, principally a boxing expert, someone that kind of knows a little bit of both worlds. You probably have heard him on the radio before if you listen to Spanish radio in Peru. His name is Juan Carlos Ortecho. Welcome to the podcast. We're very, very happy to have you here with us. How are you doing? Hey, Christopher. Th thanks, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's, it's really, it seems like I said before we started the show, it, it's, it's odd to be talking about football in, in English. I, I usually don't do it, but uh, it's a great chance to do it and, and to reach, you know, a different audience. And hello to Brian and Kevin, too, and all the people who are involved with the Peruvian Waltz. It's a pleasure. And, and, uh, and you know, it, it's always uh, good. And, and there's always a good excuse, excuse to, uh, to be talking about you know, soccer and Peruvian football and, 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 and boxing, if you will. This being a, a soccer podcast, uh, uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll try to uh, smuggle in some, some boxing at the end of it. But <laughs> I was always... I never missed a chance to talk about boxing too. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for, for the introduction and thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. No, for sure. We'll have to have a question or two about boxing at the very end. little bonus uh, for our listeners. Great. Uh, next, we have the founder of the Peruvian Waltz, our friend, our, uh, our very own Brian Birdie. How are you doing, Brian? Good day. I am good. I'm happy to be back on. I don't even remember the last time I was on this podcast. It wasn't that long ago, but it's a little bit. But I'm happy to be back on, kind of found a new little gig of founding Peruvian players abroad, actually any players abroad with uh, Latin roots. We'll talk about that at some point in the podcast, maybe at the very end as well. But uh, yeah, that just my little uh, introduction here for this episode. No, for sure. Kudos. I actually meant to ask you about that and, and we can talk about it later on. But Brian has been doing some crazy Indiana Jones detective work, finding more Lapadulas. <laughs> Hopefully more Lapadulas for the Peru national team uh, that are going to be the rising generation of Peruvians abroad that will hopefully decide to represent us. We'll see. I've invented, I've invented a term for it. I call it the Safersonismo. <laughs> good, good, good. It's almost as good as the, as the term that I like to use, el cutismo, right? La fe es lo más yeah. lindo de la vida. <laughs> anyways, anyways, Kevin Montalvan, what a pleasure to have you on as usual. Uh, we got, it's always good to have at least one of the two Montalvan brothers. Uh, how are you doing? And uh, you still uh, you still in Peru? You still in Cusco? Where are you at nowadays? I'm doing well, Viz. I'm I'm finally back in the states. I'd been out there long enough, <laughs> so um, I'm just glad to be back and on the pod. That's right. Welcome back to the home of the free and land of the brave. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about Peru now, especially because. 
the first stage of the Copa America uh, 2021 is now over. Honestly, terrible, horrible format. I think, uh, you know, the fact that we had five teams per group and in the end only one of them uh, went home. Uh, that is a criticism that we can save for later. I think uh, obviously Comebol has a lot that they need to think about. But let's talk a little bit about Peru's performance. They closed out the group stage with a 1-0 win over Venezuela. Although you could, we could argue that it could have been more than 1-0. Uh, they finished second in the group, which I think was a surprise. Only three points behind Brazil. We had two wins, one draw, and one loss. And obviously that loss was against Brazil, uh, a, a game that I think most of us would like to forget at this point. We discussed the first three matches last week, uh, talked a little bit about how we were doing. But having seen the five games in a row with this 4-1-4-1 that Gareca has been using, do you, you know, our guests here, our panelists, feel better, worse, or the same about the state of the team right now? Let's start with Brian. How do you feel about this 4-1-4-1 that Gareca is growing fond of? I said this on Twitter uh, a little while ago. You know, the performances aren't always great. Uh, we're not seeing the you know, I'll, I'll put it this way, okay? Uh, I've, I'm seeing the same thing with Gareca now that I saw with Colombia with Peckerman in this latter four years. The first four years, they were unplayable. Like, they played really nice football and they won pretty much all the time. Nowadays, we still win, but we don't play as well as we used to. We just kind of grind up the games. And I'm fine with that. You know, I spent my whole life watching Peru be uh, a dominant team and losing games despite creating more than their opponents. Now I'm seeing the opposite. Now I don't see us creating that much, but we're, we're clinical. We're, you know, barring a few fluff uh, here and there, you know, like your tunes missed chances in the last few games, but uh, barring a fluff here and there, we usually put away our chances. And I, I like that because that's something we don't really see from Peru very often, uh, at least in history, that is. I'm feeling it's all right. Uh, it can be a little bit risky, but it's working so far. So I don't think there's much to complain about. Fair, fair. Juan Carlos, how do you feel about this new tactical system uh, that Gareca has been trying out? Um, I feel a lot better than, than, than I felt, let's say, two weeks ago after the Colombia game. You know, Peru had this 4-2-3-1 for so many years. And I think he is making, we're still in the, in the midst, in the middle of that transition. It's very difficult to know with Gareca, you know, because he... Last Copa America, he, he did the 4-3-3 with Christopher Gonzalez in, in the team. And then I think he was a little bit fond of going back to the 4-2-3-1. And now we have this new tactical system, which is, is giving him good results. So at least the last three games. And I do want to talk about the format, which is absolutely horrendous. You know, the fact that four teams out of five qualify they did have to come up with something better than that. You know, this is like kids soccer where everybody gets a gold medal, you know, or, or everybody gets first place, <laughs> you know, <laughs> very true. It, 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 it's, it's just terrible. Cause you know, you've seen the last games in the, in the group stage where we watched it, we watched it with white Paraguay because we wanted to know which team we were getting in the, in the quarterfinals. But did anybody who didn't have anything at stake in their same mind, watch that those games, the Argentina, Bolivia, with Bolivia out of the race already, it is really yeah, no, uh, it, it. it's, it's Comebol is doing this because of, they they, have, they already spent the money that was given by sponsors. So Copa America always smiles at us. I mean, it, it has been for the past few years. 
for the past few uh, editions of it. But uh, I think this is the most forgettable one. It, it, it has to be. Yeah, I, I agree. But like, I, I feel like I've been written off for years with just what, what I've been saying. Like people always say, oh, you know what? The invited guests are stupid in the previous Copa Americas. But honestly, now I think they're showing that they're necessary more than ever because uh, five team groups just doesn't work ever. Uh, I know this from lots of experience. They just don't seem to work because I watch competitions from everywhere and uh, it just seems like a mess. Well, and, uh, I mean, yeah, go on. You could argue that the five five group, you know, five team group is not a bad idea if only two go through. Because if you think about it, you know, under 15, under 17, under I mean, you know, yeah. uh, 21 plays that way every year and nobody has an issue with it. The problem is that, like, like Juan Carlos said, I mean, when everybody gets a gold medal in the end. And that really dilutes the quality of the game, in my opinion. Well, maybe maybe just my selfishness wanted to see quarterfinals, but I personally like the old format better, just as long as they invite less Qatars or Qatars and uh, Japans. And that it's fine with me. I don't mind inviting Mexico every so often or Honduras. Uh, just keep it from Team America so the title kind of sticks. And I, I also don't like all number of groups in general because uh, – I feel like the the team that rests on a certain day has a disadvantage. And this is going to affect the World Cup heavily after 2026 with the three team groups. Yeah. Let's give uh, Kevin, who's uh, been uh, patiently waiting for us here, let's give him a chance. Uh, you know, any any opinions on the format? And also, you know, going back to the original question, how do you feel about this 414 that Garica has been trying out? So the format is, is bad if you want to. But it's been beneficial to us or any other South American team that needed to try out players and wanted to risk it. Like, well, I mean, Venezuela was forced to, Bolivia was forced to. I think uh, Colombia's tried out some new players, Ecuador. I didn't follow too much of Group B, of Group A. But I, I think if you were thinking about it as just friendlies in a sense, it was great opportunity to, to try out new players with low risk. Cause I, I think I said it a couple pods back. It was like, even if Peru came into some bad form or something, we only need to screw over Ecuador or Venezuela when we already know Peru usually overperforms in the Copa America. But as far as the, uh, the formation, I think, I think Gareca is just trying to, to work with what he's got. You know, Peru is not, has not really ever been a high scoring team that I've seen. I don't think we have a lot of goleadas against uh, South American competition. The 4-1-4-1, you know, it gives more responsibility to Tapia, who we really have to take advantage of. He, he's the man, the, mo the man most in form, uh, my preferred player to watch in this tournament. And it also has allowed, um, It kind of to shape in sometimes into a 4-4-2. I, I see it more in the second halves when you see someone like Carrillo linking up with La Padula. And that's how we got a nice goal against Ecuador. And, you know, we, we have to cope with the fact we don't have a lot of goal. We need to create as many opportunities and we need as many people in the box to try to finish it as possible. Yeah, for sure. Now, now that you bring up players, let me go ahead with the next question. Juan Carlos, for you, who's the Peruvian of the tournament so far? Who have you liked uh, the best? Uh, I'm have to go with Carrillo. He consolidated himself in, in as you know as a goal scorer. He's 
La Padula is, is in everyone's hearts and he's probably the most popular. I'm sure he's the most popular player in the team, but I think Carrillo, I'm, I'm thinking Cueva too, you know, because he was questioned a lot because of what he did right before the tournament. The, 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 uh, the thing that uh, he went out or he was at a party or some sorts. And I think Areca knows well that when he's when, when Cueva is going to be 20 or 30 days in this kind of tournament where they you know they're at the hotel they you know they're he's basically uh, uh, confined to, to to with the rest of the team uh, he lets him go for a couple of days and it's okay with him and he's a player's coach uh, Gareca so I, I I would think Cueva is is probably right there but I'm, but I'm gonna go with Carrillo Carrillo is really really he's really blossomed in the past few years. And I think he's taking the torch from uh, Guerrero and, and Farfan. Yeah, I, I would I would highly agree. I mean, if we could get just an extra pinch of responsibility from from Cueva, you know, how amazing would that be? You don't have to get I, it, Chris. No, forget about no, it. No, no, no. I, I lost this time in his life now. <laughs> I lost hope about four years ago. So <laughs> at least in that respect. But um, also you know, talking about, about Paolo and talking about Farfan, I honestly have to say that I really haven't missed him that much. And I thought that at this point in the tournament, we were going to be talking about the lack of, you know, power up front. And in fact, La Padula, Cueva, Carrillo have really stepped up, you know, have really stepped up and uh, have, have made us in a way not have to talk about Paolo every day, which I think to a certain extent, uh, there was a period there where we, where we would count the days to see Paolo come back. And right now, we don't see that urgency anymore. And I think that that's, that's really good for the team overall, you know, thinking about the next few years. Uh, but I digress. Let me go ahead and go back to uh, Brian Birdie. Who do you, who's your uh, player of the tournament so far, Peruvian player? I, I agree with every single word uh, Juan Carlos Ortecho said, every single word. That from from him being the best player, like a lot of people I know are going to say La Padula, but Carrillo has been, the, has been the best player, and he's and also that he's blossomed in the last few years. Like I feel like Carrillo, it's always hard to judge whether a player has improved in Saudi Arabia or not, but Carrillo has never been this consistent anywhere. I feel like he's gotten a lot more consistent the last few years. I feel like he's gotten a better first touch. You know, I feel like he's become more mature, and I it's. Showing for Peru, like you don't see much of the Carrillo performances that we saw against Wellington or in Wellington, sorry, against New Zealand or in Co against Colombia and Lima, where he's just ineffective. You don't see that much of that anymore, and you notice that it's also a top score in the tournament. So, our top score, I should mention before anyone calls me up for that. Uh, second, I agree a little bit with the uh, uh, Juan Carlos. I was, I will say, La Padula second, in my opinion. Uh, the reason I put Carrillo over La Padula is because La Padula doesn't always get the ball. Like, sometimes he can go missing. And it's not entirely his fault. It's because the ball just doesn't get to him. But, uh, yeah, third, I will say Cueva. And I will say Cueva, it's kind of a shame for him because he's been such an important player for us. But um, he, I, he kind of, I, I feel like I, I, he has every, everything about him just tells me that he's going to be Condor Mendoza 2.0 because he was a great player. But off the pitch stuff and uh, that missed penalty, it's going to haunt them forever. Just like the missed chance that Mendoza got against Ecuador. I feel like that's going to haunt them forever, which is a shame because he was a great player. 
still was a great player. And uh, I hope you remember well. So that's my podium. That's my top three. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying about Cueva, but unfortunately, I think that we haven't found a replacement for, replacement for him yet. And that's also a worry. And while we can't, you know, as long as we don't find someone that can take his place, we're going to have to put up with all the shenanigans, you know? So anyways, uh, Kevin Montalban, uh, who are your preview players of the tournament so far? As I've been trying to make it clear, to me, it's Tapia. This tournament, Gareca's formation does not work without Tapia. The man is putting in a stint in every single match. I think I've seen the most recoveries from him. Uh, you see growth as a player, even uh, some some through balls that have created dangerous situations. Um, aside from him, I think, to me, the, the biggest surprise has been Peña. Peña has gone from, uh, has literally grown throughout the tournament. You could tell he's feeling more comfortable with La Selección. You know, he got his goal, which built some confidence. Now he's, uh, I think he made up the play for the goal against Venezuela, I think. I think that's where he, um, le hizo un sombrero. And you can just tell, you can just tell he's, he's feeling like the player that, that he knows he is. The player we keep seeing at Emin and we'll likely see at another team in a couple months. Well, I would agree with you that I think uh, Peñita is no longer Peñita. I think he's Peña now. I think he's grown into the team and he's been able to to overcome, you know, the, the horrible experience it must ha have been to have to leave your team, you know, just days before the World Cup uh, to give room for Pablo Guerrero, you know, and the fact that he's overcome that and that he looks a lot more confident, uh, it makes me think that we, we could ho hopefully have a few more, you know, uh, good good years of Peña in the national team and see him develop into the kind of uh, player that we need. Very, very, very quickly, let's go ahead and give Gareca a letter grade, okay? A, B, C, or D, uh, A minus, I guess, A plus if you want. What would be your letter grade, uh, Juan Carlos? I'm reluctant to give him a grade. I'm making the principal. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that gives out the grades. All right. He, All right. yeah, yeah. I mean, Gareca's done in in four in, five, in six years. He has he's he's done what nobody else could did in forty years before. So that's true. There's no way. Yeah, but if I had to, I give him for this tournament. I'll give him um, an A. Okay. Okay. Perfect mm -hmm. score. Uh, Kevin Montalban. I'm gonna have to give Gareca a B. I think in, in general, in Líneas Generales, he's, you know, we've tested on new players. We've gotten results that are better than what I expected. I think we could have risked a little bit more, though. Maybe trying out, you know, um, Lora or giving Iberico or, or Raciel more minutes, maybe at least a whole half. But that, that those are my only gripes. In general, Peru is doing great. They're overperforming like usual with Andre Gareca in the Copa America. And Brian? This is a hard question. I think, you know what, there's a lot more complicated questions in the rundown, but I think this one, the most simple answer is the hardest question for me. Um, I'm, I'm thinking between B minus or a B, a little more, more cynical, not so much because of the team, uh, well, kind of because of the team performance. Uh, you know, this Copa America, it was kind of, it's kind of been unlucky for Gareca, in my opinion, because he was supposed to try new players. You know, I understand he wouldn't try them against Brazil to not burn them out. And you know what? He did a few changes. 
it didn't work. We conceded two more goals. But the thing that pointed uh, me wasn't so much that. It was uh, just the timing of the game. That if we drew, if we didn't draw with Ecuador, we would have been able to, um, we would have been able to test me players in Venezuela. So it was been a kind of unlucky run of games for Gareca. That draw against Ecuador was not ideal. But I can't give him any lower than the B minus because, I mean, he's still getting results. Like, you can't deny that we finished second. I guess it's just a little bit me being a little bit more disappointed and not being able to see players like Lora a little bit more. But it's just been difficult with the run of games for Gareca. So I'll give him a B minus or a B. Yeah, well, we've got one A and two Bs. You know, I think overall that's, uh, that's pretty decent. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the future now. You know, not talk about the past. What we got ahead of ourselves is a very interesting match. As we know, as a result of finishing second, Peru have uh, Paraguay in the quarterfinals and a likely meeting with Brazil if we go through, right, in the semifinals. So, you know, we got that to worry about in the future. But, of course, first we must look at what we have in front of us, which is uh, this match against Paraguay on Friday. I want to get your opinions on how do you feel about Paraguay right now and their performance in their group, and if maybe we should expect some changes changes in the starting 11 uh, from what we've seen in the previous matches for Peru, uh, now that we kind of have to play this tactical game against Paraguay. Kevin Montalvin, let's start with you. Our history under Gareca has pretty much shown that we beat Paraguay every time we met them up until the qualifiers just now in Asuncion, where we got a draw. So that that's, you know, a good stat for Gareca. Personally, from what I've seen, what I've heard, uh, Paraguay has not been on fire, let's say. A lot of complaints from the fans that they're not creative enough. Maybe they're more, more direct, more stingy, which, don't get me wrong, is, is complicated for Peru. I, I don't expect... Uh, a very high-scoring match in the quarterfinals. But I think we we are in a sweet moment where La Padula's on fire, Carrillo, Cueva, Peña, everyone's just kind of heating up in the moment. So I, I think this is a good matchup for Peru to try to have to break down a, a very stingy defense and beware of the counter and need, you know, Tapia to be on his A game, need Corso, need... Trauco, everyone to, to step it up because I think we can make the semis. Uh, Juan Carlos, what are your, your thoughts about this upcoming game? There's good news in the sense that Almiron is not playing. I, I guess he won't be able to make it even if they, if they, uh, if they go through the semifinals. Uh, and he's the only, if you pick Paraguay, the only, he's the only player that actually raises his head but he else just just runs up and down the field it's, it's a team that runs a lot and pays a homage to um to the traditional play of paraguay so i'm afraid that th there's a nice streak in favor of peru which is they the last time they beat us official game was 2012 with marcarian Uh, so it's been almost 10 years, but streaks are there to be broken. So sooner or later, there's going to come the day when Paraguay beats us as an official game, either Copa America or Eliminatorias. I'd rather have them beat us in this game than the, the qualifiers, which is what I really crave for. 
going to Qatar 2022. So I don't know. It's a it's a tough game, but uh, and and it's kind of like a dead end for both because then they get Brazil. So I'm thinking beating beating uh, Paraguay puts you back there with Brazil, which we haven't. I mean, in, in the average, they score four goals against us in the past few games. The Copa America five three, on official games I'm talking. It was the five zero, then the three one in the final, and then four two in Lima, four zero in. Uh, Last last time around, so I'm 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 not looking forward to facing Brazil again. I'm afraid of what it will do to the team again. So I mean, it it, it looks a little pessimistic, but that's I I, I think I'm, I'm trying to see it in for the sake of the qualifiers, which is a real goal. Yes, I think some might see it as a pessimism. Some might see it as realism. Uh, you know, it depends on the perspective. What, what I would like to add there is, is that I think you're, you're very much right, right? Paraguay, we need, we need the points in the, in the qualifiers for sure, for sure. The only benefit I see, I think, that, you know, going through to the semifinals, if we're able to, is that we get another two games, right? Which means that Gareca, knowing that our odds against Brazil are extremely low, has at least an opportunity to try out different things on the pitch. And so, therefore, more practice time, more time with the whole group together, being able to get to know each other and get to uh, train together. Uh, you know, yeah, I think that, that that would be a good idea. You know, not only would we have the semifinal match, but we would have third place match. And uh, those two games uh, can really help us just be just a little bit more prepared for whatever uh, might come next in qualifiers, depending, you know, that there's this crazy rumor that we might have three, you know, games in one week to compensate for the ones that we lost a few months ago. Plus, it, it, it just let me add that uh, it's going to be last time, probably one of the last few times that you get a chance to play a third, third, uh, third, uh, third place game. Because uh, the, the trend is that they're an extinct. <laughs> they're going into extinction. They, the Euro doesn't have them anymore. And it's probably one of those... Uh, remnants from from soccer from the 20th century why do you play the, th the third place game for i mean it's it's just uh i, I don't know it, it's fun but it's like a friendly in the end it is the calendar the way it is right now i think uh most players most players would rather than you know go home and and be back at the or, or go back to their clubs instead of playing that third place game Brian, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I want to hear Brian's opinion on uh, on what he thinks about Paraguay and if we should expect any changes to the starting 11. Anyone who knows me knows that before we play Paraguay, uh, I'm always very overconfident. And uh, it's just because, like, we, 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 we're just simply better than them, or we were. I don't know about it anymore because I'm not as confident as this time as I used to be. I think Paraguay have improved in the last three years. I think they've done a lot better. I don't know how good they're going to be without Andiron, but I think they've improved very, very much. And uh, this is the first time in a long time that I'm actually worried about a game against Paraguay. So, like Juan said, uh, the, this is the first time for everything. The run could very much end. Personally, I still think we're going to win, but I'm not, I'm not counting my chickens on it. I think... Uh, it's not something I put my bets on, even though Peru's an, an underdog and there's value in that, but I am not putting my bets on that. So, yeah, it can, it can very much go either way. 
Uh, I think the most likely thing is a draw, actually. But uh, again, I, I'm thinking that uh, feeling a little bit of have a little bit of faith that I can uh, that we can definitely win. And yeah, um, I'm looking forward to this match relatively because I think um, you know what uh, we didn't really achieve what we wanted to this Copa America. We wanted the test players didn't really work out as planned. But the one thing I agree with Juan, uh, disagree with Juan on is that uh, I do want to play Brazil again because just because I want to get to the semifinals. You know, it could even be Chile. I don't think Chile will be for zone regulation, but penalties is always a possibility. Is Chile even better? So I always want to go as far as we can in a tournament. You know, Peru beat Argentina 2-1 in 1997 uh, with basically their B team and then lost 7-0 to Brazil. But yeah, that, it, it, it can happen. I'm sure Juan remembers that because that was the year <laughs> before I was born. So Actually, that's the year I got married. So my son was born the next year, just like you. Oh, wow. So he's, he's my age. <laughs> Crazy. His mom was pregnant, if I'm not mistaken, at the time of that 7-0. So, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious, yeah. Uh, it's the, uh, there's a little bit of a generational gap, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, let's not let's not continue dating ourselves. Let's go ahead and move on with the podcast. You know, I think I personally, I think I'm a little, a little bit worried about Corso. You know, uh, I don't know how he's going to hold up. Uh, I think he did a, I think he did an okay job holding off the Venezuelan attacker uh, name. can't remember the name. He looked dangerous, uh, the, the the player for Venezuela that came in at the very end of the game there. But uh, Corso was able to hold him off. But I don't know, moving forward, uh, to me at least, that's uh, Otelo. Otelo, yes. The guy that uh, the guy that looks like the, the character from the Flintstones, Otelo. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I, I think that's her weak spot in the, in the starting 11 personally but uh Gareca continues to to trust them so uh, I don't know if you maybe have any suggestions regarding that uh Brian you know I I wouldn't bench him yet you know what he's a he's a question mark for sure you don't know what to expect from him like if you have a really fast player and he doesn't have cover he's just gonna get eaten up because he was never fast to begin with but he was a lot faster back then than he is now so um I would keep him on just because I wouldn't change a, cha- a working formula right now. Uh, I, as much as I want to see Loda, uh, I think his chance is kind of gone, to be honest. But um, yeah, uh, one of the one of the reasons I most want to get the third place match or a final, you know, so it's kind of a win win situation to get to the semifinals because if we get to the final, we can uh, try and win it, of course. If we get to the semi, if we get to the third place match, we can test players, so it's a win win situation. That's the, that was the whole point of. Gareca bring a weekend squad for this Copa. So, Kevin, any thoughts on the Corso situation? I I think I agree with um, Brian at this point. It seems unlikely that Lora will make his debut as we've moved on to knockout stage. Uh, if he does, though, I mean, so be it. I mean, that's all the pressure on him in an official match where it matters. You know, we can't get a draw. Or we, we don't have a second chance if we lose. So it, it could be interesting if he does end up giving him minutes, but I find it highly unlikely at this point. Well, it looks like I am 2 for 0 so far. Let's see if uh, Juan Carlos agrees or disagrees with me. I want Aldo for the rest of his life in, 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 uh, in, in Peru, uh, but I'm biased. Um, he, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we, we know what club you support in Peru. Not only that, but I worked... I was a, a gerente de comunicaciones y deportivo in, in, in La U 
for two years. Aldo is a very good friend. I, 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 uh, I talk to him a lot and I support him a lot. So it's not um, sort of a conflict of interest. That's why I try not to talk too much about him. I always support him, but I, people know that he's my friend. Besides that, trying to be as objective as I can, I don't think with Advincula missing, I don't think that uh, it's a time for Lora. Uh, it would be too dangerous. I mean, Aldo has six years or seven years in the national team. He has a, that under his belt, and he's he knows what what it takes, what kind of game he should bring. Uh, even though he has some limitations, and 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 he's rest assured, he's very aware of, of those. And um, I think uh, there is a reason why Gareca hasn't uh, subbed him. And, and, and why Lora is not playing there because it would be too dangerous to, to do it at this time. I think uh, a friendly or, uh, I mean, against Haiti or some, somebody like that is a good time for, uh, for Lora to, to gain some, some, some experience with, with uh, La Selección. But not this game, not the quarterfinals. Aldo is the best you have right now. Some people might not like him. Some people... Uh, might miss a vincula, but he's there and he's he should play. He should. He should. Besides that, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm biased. He's my friend, and and, and I really I really um care for him a lot. And and he's a great guy too. He's he's really disciplined. He's you know he works hard. He's he's everything. Uh, for instance, a cueva should be, but of course he's not as talented. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I totally understand that. Uh, you know, I mean, in theory, we could call up uh, Luchito Advincula because we can't. I mean, we're allowed yeah, to. Right. But is right. that going to happen, though? Probably I more don't... than likely it's not. No. And he's probably trying to figure out what his next team should be. And let's go ahead and talk about that, actually, because when the Euros are on, the market does not stop. And, you know, everybody, I think, has talked about the fact that Messi is now a free agent. But I think we should talk about the fact that he's not the only free agent. We also have our <laughs> friend Luis Abram, who is now officially uh, done with his contract at Vélez, Vélez Sarfil, where, uh, you know, Gareca uh, can, help him, can help him get there. But the interesting thing is that now that, uh, is that there's some rumors that uh, maybe Marseille in France would be interested in him. As we know, Jorge Sampaoli is headed that direction, a man that knows a lot about Peruvian soccer, and maybe he's interested, you know, in, in Luis Abram. I think he had some decent campaigns in Argentina. Considering that Abram's representative, you know, has managed to get a lot of uh, players out in Europe, uh, do we think that maybe Abram's future is also abroad? Do you guys see him going to France, or maybe is there another league that you would like him uh, uh, like to see him play in? Let's go with uh, let's go with Brian. Yeah, there's there's a dream there. Um, I think that uh, he get, he's got links from Inter Milan. He's got links from uh, Marseille. I think the Marseille links are today actually. Um, Valencia, Salta Vigo. You know, it's a uh, great great stuff there, and uh, I I hope one of them happens. And you know what? I'm very excited because the most likely thing is he's gonna go to Atlanta United in the United States. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this movie before, to be honest. And I hope I'm I'm there. I hope I'm extremely wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I feel like 
every time a Peruvian is linked to a European club, you know, you get excited. You, you're like, oh, wow, he's going to go to that club. And then a Mexican or MLS club comes in, offers a lot of money, brings you straight back down. So I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Kevin did say it earlier on my Twitter when I tweeted that out, actually, that Wasserman does have a, a history with Europe. And I, I, I certainly hope he's right. But hindsight being at Atlanta United does not comfort me very much. I'll just say that much. Kevin, uh, so do you want to tell us a little bit more about, about your theories here of, of, uh, of Ram going to Europe? Well, from what I've seen of uh, Wasserman, the, the agent, he's very responsible for getting a lot of Americans in, in Europe. Mostly, most notably, I, I think, was McKenney to Juventus, Reynolds to, to Roma, off the top of my head. I think if you have a guy of this caliber that's, that's getting, you know, essentially, um, you know, Reynolds was, was from Dallas, smaller club in MLS, I think coming from Vélez, I think he should have the, the cartel, the, the ability to, to put him into a club of a, you know, middle decent standing in Italy or possibly Germany. I, I know there was also links in Spain. So I feel like options are going to be there for, for Abraham. Now, if he decides he wants to, um, you know, set himself up, they might not be the best off of finance. But I'm I'm hoping that he's thinking about his his uh career. I think his his um agent has made it very clear by I mean he he like you you guys said he manages a lot of uh players and, and has uh, done well for them. But uh I think the priority, or it seems from from, I mean, I, I don't know the particulars of the of what transpired between him and Belis, but um, I think he's prioritizing money right now. I mean, at least the agent is. They always do, but sometimes they, uh, you know, they also try to see what the player needs at the time. So he's a free agent, but he could he could wind up in a, I don't know, in China somewhere. Uh, and I, I wouldn't like that. Galatasaray is another option that's always... That would be great. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Would, I wouldn't mind Galatasaray, but it would be a little bit disappointing just because of the clubs he's been linked to. Kind of what I've been rambling on about, but Galatasaray is definitely one I wouldn't mind. I mean, Muslera spent most of his career in Galatasaray. Oh, he's always been a respectable keeper. One of the so big teams I would, I would in Turkey is not bad. One of the big teams in Turkey yeah. is not bad. Bundesliga, France, Spain, even... Portugal, and, or, they pay well. and but uh, I, I don't want I to definitely see don't mind it. Ukraine or, or Bulgaria, you know, where, yeah. where it's going to I it's not going to grow. I mentioned the United States and Mexico, and the most mostly the thing that like Mexico's always been of a good standard in my books. But the thing that bugs me is that like most of our players already go to Mexico, and he has an Italian passport. We it hasn't been mentioned yet, so I think this is a perfect opportunity to go to Europe. But it just doesn't seem. It, it, these links seem to go on and on without end. So it's like the last eliminatorias in 2018. Uh, it just didn't end. Like, <laughs> Man, l- Let me tell you what. As long as he doesn't go to pyramids in Egypt, I will be happy. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and move on to another player that is uh, part of the national team, currently uh, representing us in Brazil. Alex Valera, 25-year-old. He's been linked with Lokomotiv Plodiv from Bulgaria. 
Now, I do remember that there was some news uh, regarding these rumors uh, that probably Juan Carlos can dispel for us. Do you know what happened or where these rumors came from? It's a mystery, Christopher. It's a mystery because I'm thinking it probably has to do with the agent that, you know, the one they, when they, the good news is that they might be cooking something and then and they, they might be negotiating with another club, which is not this Plovdiv from Bulgaria. If you ask the club, we've asked in RPP, we asked the club and they said they had no idea what we we're talking about. You asked the player, he'd never heard of that other team or the club. And we asked the agent, and they said they, he said he, he didn't have a clue that he thought that the, the club might be doing something about it, or, or it, it might be a club to club thing, but it's not what's going on. So it's just something that came out in the news, and it's probably just one of those rumors that. Fake news, fake news. Yeah, it's probably yeah. it's probably like that. But it might be some some something to it that, that you know there could be that the agent is negotiating with some other club, and they they they, they usually do this. You know, oh we uh, you know this club from Bulgaria is interested, and you know if you call Bulgaria, nobody's going to answer. They don't even speak English, so. <laughs> right, right. So there's no way to to confirm to, or deny to verify, way. right. Let me let me ask you a quick follow up question though. You know, you follow Valera. I'm assuming pretty closely, considering that he's part of a Universitario squad. Do you feel like he's ready to go abroad? Do you feel like he, maybe he should mature a little bit more? What's what's your point of view? I always think that you know it's 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 good news when when a player is. In, it's not like in the old days that you said you have to burn stages that you go first to and and. and it's a different it's a different setting where you know it's a different world for 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 players but uh, personally i would like to see him one more one one more season with Olau and see if uh maybe he can accomplish something something more here locally and and then and then and then go abroad if something comes along i i think it's it's be good news for him too and good news for peru as long as it's it's, it's a place where he's going to grow and he's going to uh, continue a, a career where, where, where it's profitable for him and, and for everybody else and for La Selección. And I don't want him to go to a, a, a Bangladesh somewhere, you know, just because they pay him well. Pyramids, pyramids, goodness gracious. <laughs> the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what, what's, what's his name? I forget. Uh, Silas was in Egypt, too, right? Yeah. Salah, you mean? Uh, no, 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 Mario Salas. Mario, Salas. Mario Salas, Alianza. Yeah, yeah, Awali Degla. There's a little bit of a difference between Salah and Salas. I can tell you that. I was, much. I was, I, I, the name, the name kind of escaped. Oh, Mario man, Salas, but... Mario Salas, El Comandante. Of course, yeah, quite an interesting story uh, in Peru with Mario Salas, too. Let's go ahead and move on to our next player. Wilder Cartagena also wrote a very, you know, moving and, and, and lovely letter to Godoy Cruz as uh, his deal with them expires. Uh, there is talk about maybe Cruz Azul being uh, interested in uh, Wilder Cartagena, but uh, I would like to hear, you know, Brian Birdie's opinion on, uh, on what he thinks about that. And maybe I think you, you mentioned that there might be other players that Cruz Azul is looking uh, after. I'm not as technical as him going to Mexico as uh, Luis Abram. Like I said, I do hold Mexico in kind of a high regard. It's just that Abram's situation with all these rumors in Europe kind of was was a bit of a disappointment if he does go there. 
that's kind of where I was getting at. But uh, Cartagena is a good player. Um, the, the, the thing is, I don't want him going to Cruz Azul specifically because it's kind of a selfish reason uh, in a way. It's mostly because uh, I feel like when Reynoso signs too many Peruvians, I feel like that's when he starts losing credibility. Uh, and I hope that doesn't happen. He just won the title with Cruz Azul, so he has plenty of that. But uh, it is a little bit worrying. If he flops, then it's not, uh, it's not a good look for him. But um, that's, that's, that's literally the only reason. I, yeah, do I think he's capable? I do think he's capable. I don't think he's a brilliant uh, def- holding defender in defending mid. He's someone who gets the job done. And uh, he knows what he's doing. He's a little bit limited, but he knows what he's doing. And uh, he's all over the pitch. I just don't think his passing ability is great. But yeah, he's uh, in Mexico, he definitely did a good job. You know, I, I would prefer to suit over a team like Atlas or uh, Mazatlan. I would hope it's one of the bigger sides. Because I definitely think he has the level. Maybe not for like Cuba America, but um, someone like uh, Leon, maybe he could he could do it just stints. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the the, the next player on our list would be Jean-Pierre Reiner, who announced uh, that he is joining Volos in Greece. Honestly, another team that I personally had never heard of. But maybe Kevin Montalvin can tell us a little bit about this uh, this new adventure for. Renner abroad. What what are your thoughts about uh, the fact that he's going to be going to Greece? I think he's needed to reset his career. I think, you know, he did he did well in in Switzerland. Made his move to second division in Spain. It was hit and miss. I know he got injured. It was a long injury. Then the side got promoted, and they were like, "We're not gonna continue with you because they're gonna buy more options to try to stay in first division." So he left to Emin, but it was just when Emin found the team that they needed to save themselves from relegation. So he kind of got screwed on that end. Hopefully now that he's a free agent, he negotiated well. He saw that Volos needed him. I th- I'm trying to understand the, the Greek league, but it seems like Volos is fighting relegation. So that, you know, that leaves the opportunities for someone like himself to join, you know, either as a left back or a center back and hopefully get his, you know, his foot into a, a one of a, the lesser or medium leagues in Europe and get, get his career back on track. As far as, as that, it's all going to depend on him. He's, you know, like 25, 26, I think it, it's a great time to, to figure out his career as he's getting ready to enter his prime. Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree. Hopefully, you know, we, we wish him the best in Greece and hopefully we'll see him, uh, you know, playing for bigger and better clubs in, in seasons to come and really making a difference because, you know, I think we could also use him uh, in the national team. Uh, he's uh, shown some some interesting perspectives there. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about our next player, Kluber Aguilar who is going to be a father here pretty soon. Announced that on social media. Uh, also, you know, made his move abroad finally. Uh, you know, he'd been waiting to to turn 18 and, and have that chance to go abroad. We know, As we know, Manchester City bought him a long time ago and they've been waiting for him uh, to kind of mature and be ready to leave. And uh, he finally did it. You know, he is now in Europe. He is currently on loan with Lomel, a Belgian club in the second division, I, I believe. So, Juan Carlos Ortecho, what are your expectations? What do you think uh, Kluber Aguilar could accomplish uh, in his first season in Europe? 
difficult for you know to know. I mean, he's he's he's, he's very young, so the story there could go you know both ways. You know, he could he could really. I mean, he has the talent, he has the uh, the ability and the, to 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 succeed. Does he have the mindset? We don't know. Story that we know it, it's been repeated so many times that the players, especially when you go to Europe. You know, it's so difficult, and they miss the ceviche or whatever. The family, it's 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 difficult for them, and then they come back uh, soon. You know, soon. I mean, there's players like, for instance, uh, Rodrigo Vilca, who who who's still in 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 England, and and he's apparently he's he's adjusted. You know, at least personally, but uh, we we're still waiting to hear good news from him. He's he's young, but he you know he was playing first division in Peru. Uh, I, I think it's 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 something that he has. I mean, Kluivert has the talent to make it really in Europe, but um, hopefully he'll have the mindset to to accomplish that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, I mentioned that in this podcast time and time again that there always seems to be this pattern: Peruvian players going abroad, trying Europe for a season or two, and then coming back to you know Alianza Lima, Sporting Cristal, Melgar, because they just could not adjust. They could not. They could not mature, you know, become mature enough and become adapted enough to have a successful career in Europe. And then what usually happens is they come back home, they play in Peru for, you know, a season or two, and then they try to go back again. And then, you know, we kind of see uh, them maybe uh, developing, you know, whatever it is that they were lacking the first time. But I just wish that we could do it right the first time around, you know, and not waste two or three years of a, of a player's careers uh, when they're in their prime, when they're 20, 21, 22, 23, you know, and they could actually make a difference abroad. So, so anyways, there's that criticism. Uh, <laughs> in other news, uh, one quick note on Luis Advincula. Uh, we talked about him last week. It seems like the deal with Boca is uh, imminent at this point, and they'll be paying Rayo Vallecano what, We've heard about 3 million euros for Luchito Advincula to go play in the Argentine First Division. Any any comments or thoughts from our panelists regarding uh, this uh, imminent uh, Advincula move? I wanted to say Rayo Vallecano, even though I'm a Boca fan and I would be happy to see Advincula uh, play for uh, Boca. But uh, the, the thing is, I'm not sure if, like, I feel like Rayo are kind of trying to move past him. I mean, he's been he's been on and off the bench this season, so I don't know if it's the greatest idea staying. At least that Boca is going to be a short minutes, so if he performs, of course. And yeah, it is. Um, that's my only worry. So it could be a smarter move to go to Boca, but um, kind of the saying in Spanish: whoever doesn't risk doesn't win. So um, it, I guess it, I guess it depends on what he does. Also, the fact that uh, it might be a little bit harder to settle because. You know, Spain is, I don't know how open they are, but they're definitely a lot better with COVID than they are than Argentina is. And Argentina is still a lot of uncertainty about the uh, start of the new championship. Okay, we're going to start wrapping it up now. Uh, two short questions. First of all, Brian Bernie, uh, would you like to give us a short report on the future Lapadulas that you have found for us? Uh, I think people would be very interested in hearing uh, what foreign talent you've been able to scout out in the last few weeks. Yeah, I have found three Peruvians in my search. Uh, only one of them is good enough to make the national team right now, in my opinion. And that is uh, Pablo Cárdenas, who plays for Cobresal in Chile. 
He's got about 50 games played and he's 21 years old. So he's another option to accompany Lo- to compete with Lota in that right back spot. Uh, the Chilean league is better than the Peruvian league. It's not better by a lot, in my opinion. At least not now. I think the Chilean league has taken a, a significant drop in the last 10 years. But um, it uh, it's still better than the Peruvian league. And uh, it depends on how you want to judge it. I think I've been, t- I, I've been told Pablo Cardenas has been pretty good uh, in Chile. I'm going to watch more games of him now that I know uh, he's Peruvian. Of course, I haven't gotten a chance to cover I play the other day versus Fernando Vial, but he, he wasn't on uh, he wasn't playing. So it wasn't really my discovery. Like uh, people people knew about it. He was Peruvian in Chile for about a year, but nobody in Peru seemed to have him down, which kind of uh, kind of tells me that Peru lives in a bit of a bubble, to be honest, because uh, Chile is another Spanish-speaking country. It's not like they speak Bulgarian or anything. So it, it, it is a little bit uh, weird that nobody had him yet. But I was able to get him. I passed him on to Victor Safferson, and uh, he kind of viralized the news. So uh, uh, we're, we're both happy that, uh, for that he's Peruvian. And uh, I talked to him personally as well. He does seem interested, but I am I am not confirming anything, of course. I didn't ask him if he wanted to play for Peru. Renzo Galeano asked him if he wanted to play for Peru, and he said, difficult question. So the other two... Uh, I don't. I don't think they're good enough to prove right now, but they might be in. They might be in the future if they uh, work hard. It's Stefano Daiki. I was uh, informed by him by a Filipino scout. Uh, he's in Japan. The only problem is I have no idea where in Japan he's right now. I just know that uh, there's a, there's one article that confirmed he was Peruvian that he used to play. He's living at Arequipa, and uh, he's uh, he played for SS Isu. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't seem to be there anymore. We checked and he, it seems like they moved on from him. But uh, yeah, he's another option that uh, he, he's still 20. He's born in 2001. So if they do enough research, maybe they can call him from the under 20s if he's good enough. But um, yeah, he, he, he trialed for Alianza Lima. He passed a few trials. And uh, yeah, um, but he's in Japan right now. Again, I don't know where he is because there doesn't seem to be any information or trace of him anywhere on the internet. But and the last option, Stephen Campbell. Uh, this one I found yesterday, of course, that's the time of this recording. And uh, he's a player, he's a Peruvian in uh, Northern Ireland. He plays for Port Stewart FC. He is 18 years old, recently promoted to the first team. Again, I don't think he's good enough right now because he's in Northern Ireland's third division. It's an interesting option, and uh, I'm keen to follow them. Uh, specifically, Stephen Campbell and Pablo Cardenas, those two. Uh, their games are broadcasted. Obviously, Cardenas games are on Chilean television. And uh, Stephen Campbell, you can find his games on Facebook. So, Yeah, no, I, I was going to say we need to send a letter to Mr. Lozano because he needs to pay you for doing uh, their job for, for them. I was, informed, I was informed by Safferson that uh, the Federation now has Pablo Cardenas. And that was because of the tweets I sent out. So, yeah, with, Good luck with that letter to Lozano. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I've expressed enough opinions about Lozano and the Federation that I do not think I'm welcome at the at the Videna anytime soon, for sure. Anyways, let's wrap it up. Uh, very last question: You you can't you know have uh, Juan Carlos Ortecho or not talk about boxing for at least a minute. Uh, in fact, we're going to have two Peruvian athletes, two Olympic athletes that are going to represent us. Uh, right. In the upcoming uh, Tokyo Games, uh, they're Le- Leodan Peso, lightweight category, and mm-hmm. Jose Lucar, heavyweight category. Yeah. Both of them earned bronze medals at the, yeah. at the Pan American Games. 
and I mean, I just love to hear from you, Juan Carlos. I mean, what what do you think of what their odds are at a medal? And uh, I don't know if you follow their careers. Uh, <laughs> what, what do we have here? Uh, first of all, it's great that we have two two boxers uh, who are qualifying for the Olympics. It's the first time since '96 that we have any Peruvian that that are going to be at the, the uh, Olympics in boxing. It's the first time that we have more than one since 1972, so almost 50 years. And so it's, that's that alone is just great news. Their chances at a medal are very slim. I'm, I'm going to have to say that uh, because they, I mean, the, the competition in, in for them has is not what I mean. He, they're going to be competing against uh, boxers from Cuba, from the U.S., from from Europe. Eastern Europe has very, been very strong in amateur boxing in the past, past few years. So just the fact that they're going is great news. So it's even more difficult for, for Jose Maria Lucar because he's in the heavyweight division. Yeah, I, of course, I, I, I always follow the careers, the Peruvian boxers' careers. There's a few of them. And they're, they're both kids that, you know, that, that, um, that have come through hardship, through, through, through a lot of hurdles. Doing boxing in Peru is not, uh, I mean, it, it, it's just an odd choice, <laughs> odd career choice, if you want to call it. You really have to love it to do it. So, like I said, and then I said again, it's just the fact that they're going is just wonderful news. And uh, guess what? The, the better news is that I'm going to be there to, uh, to see them in person because I'm going no to, way. to Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, amazing. For, yeah. I'm leaving on the 18th. And that's actually it's the first time that I'm saying it in public. So that's a <laughs> breaking news, for, news. Break breaking news for the, the Peruvian world. Yeah. So I've been leaving on the 18th and uh, I'm going to be there for the whole 20 days of the competition. I was in Rio too. So it's, it's good to do back. It's very, it's going to be very uh, different. Everything with all the restrictions, the organization is actually tracking you down and everywhere you go. And they, they don't want you to mingle with the locals. We're just going to go to the competitions and we're not going to be, there's not going to be time or place for any sightseeing. So it's just going to be, but I'll be following basically Peruvian athletes for the whole 20 days. I'm going for let, let me, let me know how you are uh, the badminton athletes do because badminton is actually my third sport. I uh, love it. Oh, great. I love watching, I love watching it. I used to play it, but uh, I, but I don't I, think I, badminton, I, is yeah, badminton an Olympic sport? Uh, badminton yes. is an Olympic sport, but we don't have any athletes in badminton this year. Do, do yeah. we not? <laughs> no, we don't. No. In, in 2012, we had a gal, and she did all right in badminton. But that, I mean, that was a yeah. few years ago already. Yeah. I mean, it, it's disappointing badminton I'm, because my favorite athlete, Carolina Marin, is not going. She's mm -hmm. a Spaniard. But yeah, okay. just let me know how they do anyways. Yeah, we have a shot at a medal for the first time, I think, in, in many years in surfing. There's four surfers that are going. I, I think that we have a, 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 a shot, an outside shot, but a shot at Peru hasn't ever, only once we got a gold medal in 1948. That's, so that's, that's a long time. Right. Edwin, Edwin Vasquez. Edwin Vasquez sham uh, mm -hmm. pistol shooting. Pistol shooting. So, right. so, and, and we came so close in volleyball at one time in the 80s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was terrible. Yeah. So, no, my, uh, my mother. My mother start, still cries every time she hears yeah, that story. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be, I mean, the, 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 to this day, there's 31 athletes, Peruvian athletes that have qualified. So 
So it's going to be interesting. For sure, for sure. And here at the Peruvian Waltz, we are, of course, you know, fans of the Peru national football team, but we're also fans of Peruvian athletes everywhere in Peru and abroad, no matter what language you speak. If you have that little Peruvian heart, you know, we are there to support you. So with that, we're going to go ahead and close the podcast. Let's go ahead and let Kevin Montal then say something. I know he's been patiently waiting there. Uh, any shout outs, Kevin? And also, where can we find you on Twitter? Hi, you guys can find me at kmontalvon7. And uh, first, I want to say, Juan Carlos, uh, congratulations. Hope you have a good time Thanks, out Kevin. there and, and uh, stay safe. Make sure I will. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. No worries. And uh, I wasn't leaving this podcast without shouting out Raciel Garcia from Cienciano. Got to represent. That is the way to take the advantage of uh, of the minutes given to you by Gareca. Uh, hopefully someone else can can be the person we shout out next next week or next podcast uh, after the Paraguay game. That's right. That's right. I forget that uh, you're an uh, honorary Cusqueño now, Kevin Montalvens, having spent some... Uh, some time in the capital of the Inca Empire, Kevin Montalvan representing Cienciano El Papa. Let's go ahead with uh, Brian Birdie. Any shout outs and where can we find you? The shout out has to go to Gerard Ulloa for his assist today in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, Gerard Ulloa got an assist in the Canadian Premier League and uh, I recommend you go see it. I just posted on my Twitter, it's a terrific run. Uh, very, uh, he's, he looked good in the first two games. So yeah, I, I hope he keeps growing. I know Canada wants to take him in for that's what I've been told. Canada wants to take him in as a uh, for the national team, but uh, considering how top heavy they are, if he just if he keeps playing like this and he can make some move abroad, I could see him ending up playing for Peru ironically. So, yeah, um, that's that's my shout out. You can find me at Brian Birdie nineteen ninety eight on Twitter. Awesome. And last but not least, our guest Juan Carlos Ortecho. Thank you very 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 much for being here with us. We're gonna have to have you back. Maybe to talk about the other Peruvian athletes, to talk a little bit more soccer at some point. Uh, it's been sure. really fun to have you on. Uh, thank you very much. Honestly, I don't know if you have any any shout outs, any, you know, where else can we find you on Twitter and, and whatnot? Well, no, I just, just want to say thank you guys. Uh, had, a, had a lot of fun talking about soccer, talking about Peru. And, and, and always, like I, I, I said at the beginning, it's odd to be talking football in English, but, uh, you know, and my English is a little rusty. I, I, I think it's, it, 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 it happens to me when I, when I don't speak it for a while. So it, it'll be a good thing to come back and do this again. So I can kind of uh, polish my, my, my English from, it's, you know, I've had it for like 20 years and, and then the last 10 years I've been living in, in, in Peru. So I, I, you know, I, I don't go back to it as often as I, as I would like, but it, Anyway, thanks, thanks, guys, and, and we'll be glad to do this again. Big hug. Oh, you can find me on Twitter and JC Ortecho, whatever, uh, all the, uh, you know, in Football Como Cancha and RPP, I'm there every day, um, 12 and then at 5 o'clock, every afternoon. Leave say hello to Tanque Arias for me. He, he was my teacher uh, at Isil when I was there. So say hello to him for me. <laughs> I uh, will. He, I will. He'll, 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 know, he'll know me as long as you say he's. If you forget me, just tell him I'm the Canadian Peruvian with the gringo accent. So just tell him that. Amigos! Tank is a good guy. Love uh, him very much. This other phrase, llévalo, llévalo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's good. He's, he's, he's good. good. He's, 
And my name is Christopher Viscardo, and I have been your host this evening. I hope uh, that you've enjoyed the podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll be back next week. We send everyone a giant La Padula hug. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time, hopefully in the semifinals. Uh, this has been the Peruvian Waltz Podcast, and we are signing off. Chale mi fring y cubillas y el gran Perico León, Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan la serie.